On today's episode of Still Processing, a 76ers podcast, I'm joined by Justin Crosby as we discuss the upcoming Sixers season, the return of one James Harden, and a little update on the talks with the Los Angeles Clippers. We'll find out if there are any bits of life left there. All that and more on today's episode of Still Processing, a 76ers podcast. back to another episode of still processing a 76ers podcast hello welcome all those who are mourning the loss of the philadelphia phillies uh welcome to Sixers season which is not going to be much better but today i am joined by our very own justin crosby justin how are you managing through the pain yeah i've been hurt so much before so I'm a little numb, disappointed. It's like one of the things where, like, I mean, I have a child now, but it's like you're not upset, you're just disappointed. Like, that's how I feel right now. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, game seven loss, not uh, unfamiliar in Philadelphia. It's been some time, in fact, since they won a game seven. Uh, fun fact, it was the Phillies' first game seven in the long, long history of the Philadelphia Phillies. Uh, so of course, what result, but losing, uh, can be expected from game seven, game six and seven, both at home. I mean, that's, that's, that's Philadelphia, man. That's, uh, that (laughs) no team better embodies Philadelphia than perhaps these Philadelphia Phillies. I'll tell you that. Yeah. And again, we're about to talk about the six years, but I want to say sure that they, it got to the point where I feel like they depend, depended on the crowd. To like scare the Diamondbacks, and we can't yeah. scare them when they score runs first in Game Six or Seven. But that's all I have to say. Yeah, I mean, you can't scare them when <laughs> all the stars on in the Phillies lineup are waving after pitch after pitch after pitch. Either I mean, it's not uh, can't pump up your crowd with a strikeout uh, when you're the team striking out. You know, it's a, it's a little bit problematic, but. Uh, again, we are here to talk Sixers. Thank, I, I, thankfully, I guess uh, it's it's not a much brighter situation. Uh, they're it's, they're it's, they're zero and zero right now. <laughs> the bright side. There, yes, they they do not have a sub five hundred record. That is true. Uh, as of this moment in the season, they have not la- uh, lost in the second round of the playoffs, which is a plus. That is uh, different than the Sixers for the past 22 years uh, where that's been their peak. So this is good. This is good. Everything's bright. Everything's good. Everything's happy. Uh, We'll, we'll touch on uh, the return of one sixer that folks may or may not have heard. He's back. We'll (laughs) dive a little more into that in just a little bit. Uh, Actually, we might as well start with it because it kind of feeds into our preview for the upcoming Sixers bucks game. Uh, by the time this airs, it will be the same day. We're recording this Wednesday night. Game is Thursday night. Uh, so ahead of the first game of the season on the road in Milwaukee against the Bucks, the big news obviously affecting Philadelphia. The return of James Harden. 
after 10 days missing from practice, from, from the team, James Harden has returned. He's back in the fold of Philadelphia. Uh, the interesting key points here, Harden's back just in time for the road trip. Harden was told he's not coming on the road trip because he's not ready to play in a game because he hasn't practiced in over 10 days. Uh, on top of that, Harden was still ready to go. Harden was again told not to come. And that, according to Nick Nurse and the Philadelphia 76ers, is a, is a medical decision, which, I, listen, there's there's a whole lot of different ways that you could slice this. You know, do they not want him with the team because of the distraction? Do they not want him with the team because uh, he's not physically ready to play because he hasn't played in quite a while? And even though he keeps saying that he's in this great shape, he's in this great shape. There's nothing – great shape is different from basketball shape. That's just the flat honest truth of it. So uh, it's probably some kind of mixture of the two. But, Justin, what's kind of your surface read of the situation? Uh, my initial thoughts were that they didn't want him near the team um, because just, like, the distraction and, like, him possibly going out there and, you know, not – like, like you said, I guess a mixture, like, not playing well because he hasn't played basketball in a while, hasn't practiced with the team, doesn't really know the offense, stuff like that. And it's like, then it's going to become a conversation, well, is he throwing games? Like, it just becomes a whole thing. So I think that's the thought process. And then I thought possibly a trade could be imminent, but then I guess we'll talk later. Like, maybe not, but – you know, it's just one of those things where I think it's a mixture of both keeping away from the team, the people who were practicing, who were there for the preseason, like let those guys figure it out because probably more likely sometime in the future they'll be playing without. Yeah, I think a lot of people like you were reading the the tea leaves. Uh, I mean, really everyone was trying to. It's what we're always trying to do. Uh, a lot of people noticed that Terrence Mann is not playing tonight. Uh, that was one <laughs> for a lot of people, a glimmer of hope that maybe there was going to be a resolution to a James Harden trade. Uh, that does not appear to be the case. Like you said, we'll talk about that a little more later on. Uh, Harden's return makes sense when you think about, uh, well, what he has to do effectively to avoid fines, to avoid any trouble uh, becoming a free agent this offseason. It it was the eventuality that was always going to play out. Uh, we've just reached that point in time. So uh, for Harden to be back with the team, uh, not really with the team. He's in Philadelphia. He's still ramping up. That's been the key word, ramping up, ramping up, ramping up. Chris Haynes, the Bleacher Report, you know, use that word uh, ad nauseum. Not that there's a better word. Trying to find a synonym for that was rough. Uh, but you know, that's, that's where we're at. Basically, he's not going to be a part of the road trip at all. That means no Milwaukee. That means no Toronto. Uh, that means that potentially his first game will be the first one that we're covering live in person this season against the Portland Trailblazers this Sunday. Uh, so that is a nice little gift right there. So we'll see if Harden does play, how much does he play? I mean, you said it, it's, it's, not only the fact that we're coming through the entire offseason, but on top of that, you have a new head coach, you have a new offensive scheme, you have new teammates. Granted, a lot of the 
top guys are still the same from Joel Embiid to Tyrese Maxey, even DeAnthony Melton, Tobias Harris. Even still, you're talking about working with guys like Kelly Oubre, that's new. Paul Reed's in a more expanded role, that's going to be new. How much we'll see of Mo Bamba, Danny Green's back, all this stuff. Uh, there's there's a lot of new moving pieces for Philadelphia. Uh, it's it's going to be interesting to see how Harden, when Harden, eventually folds into the rotation. Uh, and let me change that one more time from how to when to if Harden does fold into the rotation. It's going to be interesting to see what that looks like. And, uh, you know, there's there's not any real certainty on what the next move is going to be. Obviously, Harden was away for a personal matter. Uh, I prefer not to speculate on what that was. There have been some who speculated, sourced info, whatever you want to call it. It To me, if it's a personal matter, whatever it is, the Sixers backed it. Listen, just roll with the motions for now, and, and we're going to figure this all out later. Obviously, if there was any situation, we do wish that both Harden and his family are uh, healthy, wealthy, and wise. But uh, at the end of the day, it, does, it effectively doesn't matter. We wish well for his family, but it doesn't matter what the personal reason was. That's his business. He's back with the team now. Let's see what it looks like as he joins the team full force. Now, do you think Harden's return has any long-term implications on him potentially actually returning to the team that is playing in-game action i mean i think it has to right because at some point like it you know he has really no excuse right like the whole ben simmons thing was mental health and again i'm not making fun of mental health but mental health back issues like whatever sure. was going on okay that you can say something's going on if heart is supposed to be in good shape everything's okay at home now hopefully like we said him coming back to do what, right? Like raise hell? Like how do you get your, like how do you, I mean, okay, you could try to force your way out, but like that's not really helping you because the Clippers are the only team that the Sixers aren't going to up their deals. If you play bad or come back and cause hell, nobody else who may be interested is going to be interested. You never know. In the first three weeks of the season, four weeks of the season, somebody could get hurt. And they may be like, okay, we need James Harden for a year rental, like, and that could up the offers or the ante for other teams. So he needs to just, if he's going to truly be back, he needs to truly be back and play, in my opinion, in order for us to work out on the way he wants it to. He can't be mad at anybody else if it doesn't work out because at the end of the day, the Sixers are going to do what's best for them, regardless of what backdoor deal or conversations with Maury happened in the past. At this point, yeah. I'm going to do what's best for them. So, is his what's best for him is to play. Yeah, I mean that's kind of the catch twenty two of it all. You know, there is of course the outside chance of potential injury that could stave him off the idea of playing. Uh, because if you play and you get injured, well, what team's going to trade for you? You're not going to leave Philadelphia. What are your prospects going to look like next season? Trying to get a contract. Uh, that being said the best strategy is probably for him to play kind of as he has the past couple years, which is uh, play at the effort level he's feeling in the moment. Uh, you know, they're not that hard and hasn't seen high highs with the Sixers. So the peaks have been incredible, but uh, there, there kind of has been a, as he feels led feeling to his play, particularly 
uh, in the playoffs. We saw that, but it, it was sprinkled all throughout the regular season as well. So uh, if he is to play, whatever percentage he wants to give, that's obviously up to him. Uh, if he does so with, uh, you know, they talk about calling it making a business decision. So, you know, you used to often a lot in like the NFL for a guy who's, uh expiring free agent looking for that next contract you know maybe he doesn't you know uh go with complete effort you know either trying to break a tackle or tackle a guy whatever the case is uh maybe it's uh, just hard making a business decision where he plays not even half-heartedly but whatever percent you know he he wants to that he can show off his style because he doesn't need that's the thing about james harden he doesn't need to play with 100 percent effort We've seen him not play with 100% effort for over a decade. There's been flashes of this, depending, because it's it's a long regular season. You know, he, he the fact is that we see this with a lot of different players. I don't want to single out Harden as if this is a Harden quality. We've talked about Joel Embiid in a similar framing as well. Uh, this this happens. This is almost uh, almost parallel to the load management culture. So uh, if that is the best thing in interest for Harden, Maybe that's the path he'll take, but we're going to have to see if that's what he decides. And and I'll say this, and I'll, I'll I'll leave it alone. But my thought is like, you come back, and of course, business decision from the Sixers side and Harden side, right? No, he gets hurt. Hopefully not. Whatever. If he does play, you know, no trade. Whatever the case may be. But then it's like, if he if he does go out there and play, and he have he he plays half heartedly or not giving one hundred percent, he's done us at multiple stops when he wants to go somewhere. In my eyes, I look at it and say, like, he needs to do right in this situation because the window is closing for him. He's still a really good player. Is he a number one? No, in my opinion. Now, this is just me talking. But he's a really good number two. If he, like, what other options are he going to have after this? Like, literally, if you look at the teams who have cap space next year, it doesn't really fit James Harden. Like, he could end up how... And we all know it. Melo was pushed out the league for a couple of years because of his attitude and he didn't want to come off the bench and everything like that. Like this same thing could literally happen to Harden in a different scenario. And he has to be careful because there are people watching it and there are other players outside of the game or retired from the game or removed from the game who have said that like similar things. So he just has to be careful what he does because he's not 22. He's 34 or 33, whatever the case may be. So like, yeah, I just think that like he has to be careful the way he plays this because he can end up being like Russ has adopted to it and and said, all right, I want to win. I'm going to be on a team I want to be on. I'll take the minimum, whatever the case may be. But it's not a lot of guys. Hard doesn't seem like that guy. So, you know, if he doesn't want to end up on the San Antonio Spurs next year playing with Wemby, then on the vet minimum, then I don't know. That's just my thoughts about it. Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting to see what that move potentially would be during the offseason. Uh, if he's unable to secure that trade this year, which I think at some point he will, uh, it's, it's more so a matter of when, not if. I don't expect the Sixers to keep him past the trade deadline. But with Daryl Moore, you honestly never know. I mean, when you talk about uh, two battles of stubbornness, you're, you're talking about two number one seeds with James Harden and Daryl Morey, so... Uh, it will be interesting to see what happens. The Clippers, they just have that like that folding aura around them, you know. So I, I do think eventually 
the the deal is going to get done with some concessions made on the Clippers side. Do I think the Clippers are going to lose the deal? No, because they're going to get by far the best player uh, involved in the deal, someone who can actually elevate them to potentially contender status, which they're not at right now. Kawhi, Paul George, it's great. It hasn't worked. It has not worked. Paul George even recently talked about how his legacy in L.A. right now is is injury-based. And that's the truth. And it's it's not dissimilar for Kawhi either. Not that James Harden's going to fix that. You're bringing in another aging player who's dealt with injuries over the past few years. But uh, you, you at least have a, a, a puncher's chance at, uh, at defeating some of the top-tier Western Conference teams, teams like Phoenix, teams like Denver, who we just saw destroy the Lakers, especially Jokic in that battle was was unsurprisingly fantastic, which is terrifying for the rest of the league that he is coming right out the gate like that. Uh, so if you're the Clippers, you are going to want to make this deal. If you're the Sixers, you are absolutely hoping that at least another team enters the fray. And the tough part is if you look at some of these other potential teams, uh, I mean, Miami's been mentioned a lot, but that's a complete cultural shift from for, for Miami to James Harden. Like, Jimmy Butler might actually kill James Harden before the season's done. There, there's there's just not a clean fit there at all. Uh, when you talk about other alternatives, there's there's oddball teams like, you know, the Minnesota Timberwolves were like on sense. It makes sense to get a player like that. But James Harden going to Minnesota, like that's that's a team he would sit out for. I don't see him actually playing for Minnesota, possibly the Knicks, but even still the fit with Brunson doesn't make sense. There's not another great landing spot for, for James Harden. And it's going to make this difficult on everybody involved because the thing is, it's not getting any easier for anyone. It's not getting any easier for Harden, for the Sixers, for the Clippers. Sure as hell isn't getting easier for the Sixers fans. So, this seems kind of like a lose-lose situation all the way around. It just becomes kind of a pissing match of, of who's more desperate first. And if you're a Sixers fan, you just got to hope that's L.A. So we'll see what happens as, as far as this goes. But uh, Harden's return is is strictly temporary by all appearances. So uh, we'll see what that looks like. We'll see if he plays come Sunday. I, I'm kind of hoping that he uh, fields questions on Sunday. I'd love to be in that room and 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 ask him uh, a couple of my own. So we'll see what opportunity there is, but I'm sure there'll be plenty of people in there with me trying to to get those questions fired through. Uh, but until then, there's a season starting. You know, the the Sixers have games to play. Life goes on for Philadelphia, and that's kind of been the message that Nick Nurse has been preaching this entire time. So let's take a look and let's focus on, you know, maybe the first game of the season against Milwaukee tomorrow night. So obviously a win is the desired outcome for anyone backing Philadelphia. Other than a win, what are you looking to see in their season opener? I'm looking to see how the offense flows. Um, Joel played the last preseason game. He wasn't. From a shooting perspective, like from the field, he didn't play well. He did get the Joel amount of free throws. But, you know, I just want to see how the offense flows. Um, quite honestly, this is just me being, like, just observant. Like, yeah, they need wins, right? But the first five to ten games, I'm just looking for them to try to figure out how they're going to play offense and defense 
in this new style without Harden, with Harden, whatever the case may be. Um, because if this is supposed to be a more ball movement oriented situation from guys who really like the ISO, I mean, Joel ISOs a lot and, you know, Harden clearly does and they're a two-man game. I know, I know there's going to be pick and roll, but just like, I just want to see how that goes. Um, that's what I'm really looking forward to. And, I, and I'm looking to see how they like muddy the waters. Like the Sixers really never did anything on defense to muddy the waters. Like everything was a, let's just stick with this. Like, I mean, the zone here and there, but like, you know, when they trap, when they press, how they're going to play Dame, are they trapping? Like nurse is not afraid to try different things. So I'm just interested to looking at that. Of course, a win would be nice specifically on national television, but we'll see. Yeah, I mean, again, it wouldn't be nice. Uh, I, I think seeing how the offense and the defense progress, just like you said, like that's that's going to be key. Uh, for me, I, I kind of want to look at a few of these players who are going to be stepping up, right? So that's Maxia as a facilitator, seeing what specifically that looks like. Uh, I want to see what of this preseason DeAnthony Melton can carry over because – when you talk about guys who were impressive this preseason, he stands right at the top of that list. Uh, in three games, averaging over 18 points per game, obviously higher than uh, his typical average. Most of that came against the Atlanta Hawks in the final preseason game. So uh, you have to take that with a grain of salt. But then he goes against the Brooklyn Nets, and he has a near triple-double. I mean, you're, you're talking about, you know, uh, what, what, what's what's the nickname, Mr. Do-It-All? Uh I mean, you're, you're talking Mr. about a guy Mr. who really do everything. Mr. Do something. Yeah, Mr. Do something. Yes, yes. We'll get it down. We'll get it down one of these days, Mr. Do. And he does a whole hell of a lot of something. I'll tell you he that does. right now. He does. And the one, the one something to me that really stood out, kind of above anything else, he averaged over eight three point attempts per game over those three preseason games. Now, again, small sample size, preseason action. I absolutely hear you. But the dude shooting over three or over eight three-point attempts in under 26 minutes a game, I want to see that carry over. That's the big thing for me because you're going to need that shooting. The Sixers were the top team in three-point percentage last year. They were middle of the pack when you look at three-point attempts. It was a strong uh, or rather a strength in the team that they did not take advantage of enough. And a large part of that is because of the iso-dominant style of play. Now that we're going to be moving away from that a little bit, there's still going to be a lot of ISO for Embiid, obviously. But we're moving away from that a little bit. I'd like to see a lot more threes flying. And if this team, granted, they lost George Yang and didn't entirely replace him, I think Danny Green hopefully will be the closest thing to that replacement uh, where if he can get halfway decent volume on his shot, obviously. But uh, capable shooter, that's that's mostly what he's going to be doing is shooting threes. Uh Maybe you can get some kind of replication of that production to keep the the percentage, the average high enough. But you got to make sure that you're launching more attempts. Also, I mean that's that's the name of the game. Obviously, in the modern NBA, is is how good is your three point shot? And if the Sixers aren't going to be taking them, they're going to be fighting uphill for for a lot of games going forward during the regular season and also during the postseason. So, uh, what does DeAnthony Mountain look like in that role? Obviously, that's huge. What does the rotation look like? Nick Nurse spoke on that a little bit, uh, saying how De'Anthony Melton would be starting in place of James Harden. Uh, off the bench, you're looking at guys, I mean, Pat Be Beverly, obviously, Paul Reed, obviously. Uh, and it sounds like Danny Green 
and also Kelly Oubre Jr. are going to get a lot of the run there from uh, from that point, I should say. Probably going with nine guys early on. How does Jaden Springer factor into this? Uh, you know, what is Mo Bamba's role, basically? Because Paul Reed is playing backup center, uh, and he's also going to be playing power forward minutes. This isn't because Paul Reed is playing power forward that you're going to have all these backup center minutes open. This is an additional task for, for Reed. So what exactly this all looks like. And, and again, the development of Paul Reed as well. So I think there's, there's a lot to look forward to, but what do you think about, obviously this is the first matchup against the Milwaukee Bucks with Damian Lillard. What do you think the, the game plan to kind of slow him down will be? Who do you expect to be the guy on him? And, and do they really even have a, a shot at winning this game at upsetting Milwaukee? I mean, it's the first game of the season. I do think they have a chance. Um, my honest opinion is, although they've gotten Damian Lillard, they have gotten worse from a perimeter defensive standpoint. Oh, for sure. Now that they don't have Drew Holiday, I mean, they got Malik Beasley out there with Dame Lillard as a possible starting backcourt. When I tell you, yuck on defense. Yeah. yeah. So – I think they're going to make him work on defense to kind of like tire him out or take him a little bit out of his game. I think that's going to be one aspect. I think they're going to make Dame guard. Um, Dame, they like sometimes to try to hide Dame on people. So I think they'll try to attack him. And, you know, everybody going to try to do the P.J. Tucker thing, but, you know, you could just switch on that. But then I think that guarding Dame, I think they'll probably have Melton guard Dame. Um, even though Maxi did a pretty good job last time they played, but they'll probably have Melton, I mean Melton guarding them full court, 94 feet. And I think when Melton comes out of the game and Beverly's in the game, be up in them, get on his nerves, smack that's him. That's gonna in the back be fun. Head. Yeah, that's like, gonna that's be a fun matchup. For. And Giannis, I think they'll have PJ guard Giannis. And or Joel guarding Giannis with PJ Garden or or um or Tobias Garden Lopez and I think that's how they're gonna rule and I do think they have a chance to win. It's the first game of the season. You know, both teams have kinks that they need to work out. I do think that whoever wins is gonna get blown out. <laughs> but um interesting, interesting. Okay. But um and by blown out I mean like fifteen point loss. Um that's a blowout, but yeah, I didn't want it to be like thirty points because you know everybody would you know overreact if it was thirty points, but for, for sure. <laughs> but yeah, like a, like a twelve point yeah, loss, a, a, a double digit victory. Yeah, yeah no, um, I hear you. But yeah, so that's that's what I'm that's what I'm looking looking at and looking forward to seeing. And mm-hmm. I'm going to literally tweet you and text you when. <laughs> Patrick Beverly gets in the game and he picks up Dame from as soon as he gets the ball. And when he does something stupid or funny and Dame looks at the ref like, yo, come on, bro. He's wrong. I can't wait for that moment because I've been waiting for this for three years. Yeah. I mean, it's, man, I'm getting excited about the Sixers again. I don't know if this is insanity, whatever it is, but, uh, as much as the the drama can be sickening, there's there's still a lot to watch. Like it's it's almost uh, process year esque 
where you're looking at a lot of these guys who typically would have a smaller role. They're being uh, thrust into a more prominent role. I mean, obviously, Joel Embiid, what he does this year is going to be exciting uh, or should hopefully be exciting. The same for Tyrese Maxey. Hopefully, he can take another step forward. But uh, watching guys like Pat Bev just get under uh, – a guy who's been meant to be a sixer for so long just get under the skin of uh, of, of players like Damian Lillard or uh, watching Kelly Oubre, the magical roller coaster that is – Kelly Oubre being on your team. I mean, the, the lows are going to be real low, I'll tell you right now. But anytime that he's playing within his role, you're talking about a guy who's going to look pretty darn good alongside this uh, this, this Sixers team. So uh, it's, it's going to be a fun game. And whether or not they can pull it out, I think that remains to be seen. Uh, a lot of that's going to be on Joel Embiid because he did not look uh, ready to go based off his one preseason game that we saw. So maybe it's up to Maxi. You know, we'll see. Anything's possible, obviously. Uh, but game one is going to be a lot more about what you can take away from it than uh, than, than what the standings are updated as after the fact. So uh, should be fun. Should be a good time. PSN, actually, uh, Philly Sports Network, will have a live Sixers show beforehand. So be sure to look for the uh, invite to that. Obviously, welcome to all. Uh, it's going to be a good time. Just casually talking six years, talking to a lot of you guys out there, uh, really just getting the pulse on on what people are looking forward to, expecting or not looking forward to as the season begins. So we got to move on because we have to talk about this. Unfortunately, we have to continue to talk about this. And, and we, we're going to bookend this pod talking back about James Harden because shortly before we came on, Adrian Wojnowski, uh, of course, did mention that the Los Angeles Clippers – are taking a step back from James Harden trade talks, which in the most sickening will-they-won't-they they since possibly Ross and Rachel, uh, these these trade talks, who knows how <laughs> who knows how on they ever really were because these two sides have been so far apart the entire time. Uh, Terrence Mann is – you got the Clippers saying Terrence Mann is untouchable, which is one of the most ludicrous freaking things that I've ever heard. And there's no disrespect to Terrence Mann. He is, he is a very solid player, and I would love to have Terrence Mann on whatever team that I'm rooting for. But to ha- say he's untouchable for last season's assist leader, for one of the top players of all time who's still producing at a 20-10 and 10 level is ludicrous. And then you have Daryl Morey on the other side who's demanding either uh, an all-star or a package that they can repackage for an all-star uh, which is equally as ludicrous. Now, there have been reports that some concessions were made by Maury, uh, and that I think they were down to, what was it, two first-round picks, a pick swap, and Terrence Mann plus filler, which is a reasonable deal. There's no reason for the Clippers to take it right now, but it is reasonable. Yeah, and I think that it's even – I think it's just one pick, one swap, and Terrence Mann and a salary filler. Sure. But I think, so yeah. I think they feel Get it done. Like, Rip the Band-Aid off. Yeah, and I think they feel like man is technically that second that second first round pick because I've read a couple places that you know Maury already has a deal waiting in the wings to flip man yeah. for a first round pick. So it, it wouldn't be overly surprising even if you had to wait closer to the deadline or even if you had to wait till the off season. It, you're likely gonna be able to flip Terrence Man for a pick if he's not part of the long term future, and if he is okay being part of the long term future. He's on an affordable contract. 
So granted, it might interfere with that that near two max slots that you're looking at headed into free agency next year. But who's to say you actually need all that? Because you need players to agree to come to Philadelphia, not just be able to fit within the salary requirements. So uh, there's there's a lot to see uh, over time how this is going to work. But this is going to be real slow moving for for a while. This is not anywhere close to being over. The Clippers are not no longer interested in Harden. This is just posturing. This is another negotiation tactic, exactly. uh, which we've seen from Philadelphia as well. Like there's, there's, it's the sickening dance that it doesn't usually take this long. It's not usually this annoying. It just so happens to be because James Harden only wants to go to one place. There's no market for James Harden, uh, and the Sixers are rightfully stubborn. And the Clippers are rightfully stubborn too, because again, there's no reason they should bid against themselves. They're the only team offering. Who is to say that a pick, a pick swap, and salary salary filler doesn't beat any other deal? Because there's no other deals out there. And a big part of the reason there's no other deals out there is because of James Harden. So how this situation is going to resolve itself, I don't know. Let's take a look. Maybe if Harden starts playing, if things change. See how the Clippers look to start the season. Maybe their tune changes as well. Yeah. Uh, maybe Harden just gets fed up of being in Philadelphia and, and says, you know, all right, you can send me to, you know, New York or back that's to Brooklyn what or whatever. That. That, that's what he needs to do. He needs to say the rumors. Don't even believe there. it. Just say it. Who gives yeah. a crap? Just say it. Let yeah. them build the market and then just move on to L.A. Yeah, literally. That's all you got to do is he needs to be like, yeah, I'm OK with going to these three teams or these four teams on my, my short list. And even if his agent throws it out there, whatever, yeah. boom, now you have a little bit of a market where you can be competitive and go from there. That's literally yeah. what you have to do. And like, just say Chicago, Miami Lakers, like just do that. And, and even though the Lakers, a deal wouldn't be able to happen until mid season. Like, just just work off of that, and and that will drastically change the trade landscape. So if James Harden and, and and I'm getting annoyed because I'm dealing with the Phillies loss, because I'm dealing with the fact that we're gonna now move right into Sixers season, and and we're continuing with this drama and the Joel Embiid trade nonsense that we're not even gonna talk about on this podcast. But with all of this stuff, all James Harden has to do is play. He has to open up that trade book just a little bit. He doesn't even have to mean it. Because contrary to how he feels about Maury and quote unquote Maury being a liar, <laughs> Maury is going to take the best deal that's available. The best deal that is available will likely come from the Clippers because other teams are still going to be sheepish about whether or not Harden will play for them. But you just have to work with each other a little bit, not even directly. Keep working through through mutual channels as they have been but you got to work with each other a little bit and and so far Harden's been unwilling to do so Maury's been unable to do so uh and and they're really both to blame for this point in the process that we're at but there's just not an easy answer to this that doesn't involve the two of them working together again which is the one thing that apparently will never happen so uh, this is just going to be a source of frustration for the Sixers, for Harden, for the Clippers, for Sixers fans from here until the day that it's not. That's it. I wish I had a better answer for you. That's effectively where we're at. I mean, do you have any inkling on, on when you'd expect to see this done? 
honestly, I feel like I'm feeling because somebody always says like December 15th when contracts will be traded. I think this is going all, to towards always BS. Every year yeah. it's BS. I'm thinking trade deadline. Um, trade deadline is most likely. But then I feel like if either team has a pitfall early, which like a like a batch of early losses, and I'm not talking about if one of them starts 0-3 or something like that, but you know, you know what I mean? Like somebody really is in the dog, like in the in the hole for some wins by like mid-November, uh in the I mean mid-November. Um, going into December, then I can see something happening. Um, but we'll see. I mean, also it could be based on what other teams do. If other teams are bad first, then it might be something where the Sixers say, listen, we can get XYZ from XYZ and we need to complete this. Let's do a three-team deal. And maybe at that point, if they're already tanking, or already feel like they can't win, then maybe they decide to just do a trade with the assets the Sixers are getting, and maybe man doesn't need to be involved. So, like, I think the landscape of the NBA makes it makes it um interesting to. So that's kind of what I see. Yeah, happening. I think you're 100 percent right. And one team to continually watch is Chicago. We've heard all the rumors coming out. Uh, we've heard the potential uh, unsecured future of DeMar DeRozan and much more frequently Zach Levine. And uh, is there potential for a three-way trade to work out? You know, we'll see Uh, if Chicago is, if they're comfortable with the idea of acquiring Harden and Harden's comfortable with the idea of going to Chicago, uh, obviously that drastically changes the, the landscape. Uh, do the Sixers want Zach Levine? I I don't know that they do. Obviously, he's a very talented player, but I do think that in their ideal situation, they're recouping draft compensation to potentially make a trade this offseason as opposed to uh, bringing in a, a very good but not great player uh, who has noticeable weaknesses and is on a very large contract. Uh, he, he would certainly improve the Sixers team, but how high does he make the ceiling? You know, it's more of a floor raising move. Uh, but even still, they do remain a, a potential suitor. Uh, the idea of adding DeMar DeRozan is, uh, uh, he's like the worst fit, but he, he is still, he, he still might be preferable because he can handle the ball a bit. Uh, would be nice to have someone who can work the mid range. Uh, you know, he's not much of a defender. He does not space the floor. Uh, but maybe you could find a Jimmy Butler right role for him in there somewhere, at least offensively speaking. Uh, it, it's 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 gonna take um, it's gonna take a lot of rumors. It's gonna take a lot of people uh, spreading out false information out there uh, until we finally hear. And, and 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 when I say false, I don't mean like they're just making stuff up. Like it's. I'm talking sourced information that's trying to influence others. Like at a certain point, source information possibly coming from Philadelphia that there are more suitors for James Harden all of a sudden or whatever the case may be. But we're going to be playing this dance uh, or rather dancing this dance for, for quite some time. Hopefully mid-November is is when they figure it out. 
Uh, could it be December? Possibly. I don't think it has to do, do with the uh, free agency deadline or, or rather um, trade. What's the right way to phrase that? The trade restriction being lifted for free agents in the past offseason. Uh, I don't think it necessarily deal with that date in particular, but you never know. Uh, it, it could free up just a couple more low-end guys that could then be uh, culminated into a deal to make it work. But uh, the point of it all is that we do not appear close to the light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, and that is very frustrating. So instead, my recommendation is that you focus on the controllable and the control controllable for Philadelphia right now is this game in Milwaukee. It's what this lineup with DeAnthony Melton and it can do. And it's what we can get out of the bench unit from there. So, uh, what this entire unit will look like under Nick Nurse, both offensively and defensively, what the reigning MVP is going to look like in his return after that MVP season. Is he still out there trying to to prove himself every night that he's there? Is there a little bit of satisfaction knowing the job that he did last year? Who knows? We'll find out. He said all the right stuff so far, but he's going to have a chance to prove it this season. So uh, either way, we'll be watching along, of course. Listen, we are uh, we're trying to make it just like you guys. You know, we cover the team. We do love the team. Uh, it's it's not easy for us either. So just know that you're not alone, Justin. Any other last thoughts before we close about what you're looking forward to? Let's go for the full season. I'm just looking forward to like. You I'm can't say the, the James Harden trade being over because that's that's no no no. I'm just looking that's forward everybody to, to just hopefully watching a different style of basketball than we've seen in the last yes. couple of years, different style of coach, and then honestly, Sixers flying under the radar and randomly ending the year with 54 wins and nobody thought it would happen. That's kind of what I'm looking forward yeah. to seeing. Yeah, no, I, I I think that there is a way that um, they can. I don't want to say fake until they make it, but that they can they can rally effectively because I don't think it'd be faking it. I think that if they do, uh, I, th- I think that if they do rally together and they do kind of figure this out and they are going to be a top, let's say, four team in the Eastern Conference, I think it will be legitimate. I don't think it's going to be by accident. I don't think it's going to be by not resting their players as much as other teams, although that's been a hot button topic around the league. Uh, I, I think that it's really going to be a matter of how much these players are willing to buy into Nick Nurse's system and, and how much they're willing to buy into each other as a team. So uh, it will be interesting. It will be fun. Uh, it will be maddening. It will be frustrating, infuriating. It's it's going to be the whole spectrum, man. I don't, I, don't, I don't know what else to tell you guys, but it's going to be a crazy ride. Uh, hopefully you will be along there with us the entire way. Uh, and again, look out for Philly Sports Network's show tomorrow pre-gaming day. Come out and join us. You know, talk a little Sixers. Like I said, talk about uh, the good vibes, the not-so-good vibes, and, and anything and everything that you're feeling about this upcoming season. But uh, for now, I've been Zach Chavalala here with my co-host Justin Crosby. And remember, just like you guys, we're still processing.